What's going on, everybody? This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and this is the Chondrocast, the podcast about green tree pythons and the people that keep them. Enjoy the show. everybody this is episode 10 of the chondro cast i'm justin smith of palmetto coast exotics and tonight i am joined by sabrina vega of lottery reptiles what's going on nothing a whole lot of nothing yeah just hanging out <laughs> you're Enjoying uh the summer finally yeah <laughs> you're uh you're you're in, you're part of the texas gang right yes i am <laughs> oh cool there's a lot of us i know it's weird it's so strange that there's, there's like, Maryland, Colorado, and Texas. That's where, you know, the a lot of the a lot of the Condro guys are, and it's strange. Um, all right, so obviously we're here to talk about some green trees, and uh, yes. So you've got a you've got a handful of them right now, right? Yeah, I think I have like eight now. Oh wow, cool. Um. What was what 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 originally got you into the the green trees? So I I've, I've always been a reptile person, and then I I got my first, of course, ball python mm-hmm. uh, about maybe eleven, twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had him for a long time, but you know we didn't have space for a whole snake room. So once I got it, my wife really liked green trees. Mm-hmm. She was like obsessed with green trees. <laughs> So um, I think I hit a bill one day, and I was like, oh, you have beautiful snakes. And he was like, oh, I see you in Texas. Why don't you come by? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, so we went by, and we saw his snakes. And, like, I think, you know, pictures make them look larger than what they are. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is a manageable snake. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they're beautiful, and, you know, he always shows that they're handleable and all of that stuff. Like, you're not going to get eaten every time you – going to the cage kind of thing right um so we went there and we fell in love with them and there you go we just started buying <laughs> and what was the what and was the first ones you got i got an aru pair okay. um an import pair um i really bought it for the boy but mm-hmm. the girl came with it right which eventually ended up being a boy also <laughs> oh <laughs> so i sold that one yeah, yeah. Go, go figure Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my Aru boy definitely started it with his blues and everything. I was like, holy moly, these things are stunning. So, and it's definitely addiction. Oh, <laughs> you definitely. just want to keep getting more. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny. I, I tell Jake that all the time. I'm like, you know, there's, it's, they're really not that exciting of a snake to keep. No. Like, compared to, like, most colubrids and stuff, they're actually kind of boring. But I think yeah. the fact that, you know, obviously they're so they're so gorgeous and they're always out. Like, you don't have to worry about them hiding. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just they're them always being there. They're just there. There's something about them that just you can never have just one. It doesn't work out that way. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> agreed. Uh, cool. And so 
Uh, obviously, Bill was a big influence then, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, he was. Um, he still, to this day, you know, when talks me off the ledge with the Neos and everything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think we, all of us, all of us first time readers are always, there's always that one guy where we're like, dude, I don't know, like, these things aren't looking right. And they're like, chill out, it's fine. And you're like, no, man, these yeah. things aren't right. And they're like, they're fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I went through that a lot with, like, during incubation. Mm-hmm. I was freaking out. I would say Patrick is my go-to, though. Like, I talked to him pretty much, like, throughout the incubation every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was it was bad. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I think they're dry. Oh, my God, what do I do now? <laughs> and they were like, leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> Stop looking at them. So this, this clutch, you know, obviously, it's my second clutch, and I just... I we hardly look at them like we have a water chamber in the mm-hmm. in the incubator so we fill that up and that's really it you know and, did, and have you had <laughs> you have any issues with that when you've done that what the water chamber yeah I haven't okay I did it with mine and I just I think mine you know, I sent pictures to Will Banks, Justin Will Banks, and he was like, I don't know, man, they mm-hmm. look kind of dry. And so then I sent pictures to Harlan, and he was like, nah, they look fine. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I think after having mine hatch and, uh, you know, having the handful of babies I have from that clutch being kind of on the smaller side, uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking they, they actually, they probably weren't getting enough humidity which i thought was strange because it's like you're sitting literally on top of water and then i had a dish next to them of the water gel that i threw Mm -hmm. in maybe halfway through and uh i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna try vermiculite next time i think just to see if there's a major difference because i had i have i've had friends who they switched them on to vermiculite from being over water like that and they said the difference as Mm -hmm. far as like the eggs plumping back up was pretty dramatic so Give yeah, that a shot. I mean, my first clutch, my first clutch, I lost more than half. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost six, and I, I, I kind of pinned it to. I had two fans running. Yep. Um, and I kind of pinned it to that because, like you said, you have. I didn't do over water, but I did over perlite just to yeah. avoid the sluicing around. But it was pretty much water. It's like oversaturated perlite. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that, and then the water chamber in the bottom with an airstone in it. And oh, okay. I mean, entire time I had 99% humidity. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, how is this possible? How are they drying? Like the first, I think it was like the first two days, it was like so severely dented. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot who said it. Uh, one of the old, like the old timers on MBF, um, they said, you know, like they leave it open. They let, they let the eggs acclimate to the... Um, yeah. condition of the yeah. of the incubator and mm-hmm. then they put the humidity i did that even the first time but like the first couple of days it just they started denting and i was like mm-hmm. i don't think this is normal and like i said i was freaking out but bill was like you know i've seen so much worse you know hatch. yeah and that's what so i was, I was like, basically oh, told okay. was like if you've seen maternally incubated eggs they look horrible mm-hmm. i was like well, okay yeah, yeah. And that's that's the frustrating part with it all is like un- you haven't seen this before, so you have no idea. You don't have anything to compare it to, Correct. you know. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my god, like I'm just going off the, you know, a single picture or two pictures that I send to somebody where they're like, yeah, they look fine, or no, they look dry, and it's like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I mean, I made some, I did some tweaks because um, I incubated at eighty seven because mm-hmm. um, I had a V two hundred. 
mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go up to 88, so I just did 87. Um, and um, I switched to a herb stat so I could go 87.5 this time. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that changed anything, you know what I mean? But I did that. Um, I changed the directions of the fans. So I actually eliminated one and only have one and only have one fan instead of two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the probe in the egg box. For the and a few people do it with, yeah, okay. a few few people do it with the probe outside. So I changed all that stuff, and I will say my eggs look beautiful. Like I think I'm like halfway through right now, and they're like maybe like better than what my first batch looked on two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so i think those little tweaks definitely did yeah something. i had mine outside of the box um okay yeah. i had an indoor outdoor thermometer that has one of the probes in the box so i was paying attention to the temperatures in there but early yeah. on like within like the first week my thing was is like that thermometer would match what the thermostat said, but then when I would temp gun the eggs, they were coming up like 90. So I'm like, well, what the Ooh. hell? Yeah, so I like swapped out the battery in my temp gun, checked it again, same thing, and so I'm like, what the hell? So then I went and got a an analog mercury thermometer um, and Ooh. put that in there, and that also agreed with the thermostat and the other, uh, uh, the digital indoor-outdoor. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And so at that point, I was like, okay, whatever. I guess it's just my gun, and I left it be. But <laughs> I don't know. There's a there's a good bit of stuff I'll be changing next time around. That's for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. That, that you have to learn and Definitely. see if your tweaks change something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it could also be the girl. The I think like I conditioned my second girl a lot more. Um, because I was waiting for the perfect male for her. Like I was waiting to get my monoquari and I was waiting to take him out of quarantine and all of that stuff. So I bulked her up. So she was 850 before even putting him in. Mm -hmm. Um, so by the time she got pregnant, she was probably like nine. Yeah. Um, so I would say it was probably her condition also that maybe made better eggs. Like I was talking to Harlan and he was saying that, a lot of the times weak meals come from weak moms which mm-hmm. then create weak eggs you know what i mean yeah it definitely so, trickles down yeah mm. yeah so definitely hope for the best this round <laughs> yeah well i mean if How's it's any your babies um they're doing good i ended up with 10 surviving um it was a clutch of 17 i lost Probably, I'm trying to make sure my math is right. It was probably, I want to say five were dead in egg. Full yeah. term. Like full term? Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are bad. So I think a few of those drowned, actually. I don't think they just didn't hatch or they had an issue. I think they just didn't didn't make it out. Um, and yeah. then I had one that came out and died. Two that came out and died. And then I had one that hung on for probably two weeks and it was really lethargic and kind of off to begin with so when i woke up and found it dead i figured it was it wasn't gonna make it It wasn't much of a surprise um yeah but i've got 10 i'm not complaining they're uh they all seem to be doing fine (laughs) yeah yeah i mean those that that's like kind of what happened to me but um this is another reason i blame it on the fan but it might not be the fan i had one that went bad like maybe two weeks before hatch and then um the other ones i think it was 
three, three were dead in the egg mm -hmm. full term, but their yolk was hard. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah. So that could have easily been the culprit for that. Um, mm -hmm. And then two pretty much did what you said. They were, um, one of them came flying out <laughs> and he still had his yolk attached. And I mm -hmm. think he must have like pulled on his umbilical cord or something. But he went crazy for like maybe five minutes and then just died. And I then had, we had yeah. another one. I had one that came out with the umbilical cord like wrapped around its last third or so. Oh, really? Which I know yeah. in MVF there was a post about that a while back of someone kept mm -hmm. having babies in a clutch come out like that. and Yeah, they were blaming it on candling. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I really didn't do with this clutch hardly at all. I did it the first like maybe week or so just to make sure there was mm -hmm. actually something going on. But other than that, I didn't mess with them. They looked fine. So I actually tested with one egg. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there was, like I said, I, they were really dry and I was freaking out and yes, everybody was telling me, no, don't worry about it. But there was this one egg that really bothered me. It was too early on. And I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't just leave it and not do anything to mm -hmm. it. So I put it straight on pearl egg, like damn pearl egg. And it plumped up. It plumped up beautiful. I had it in a different, in a different tub mm -hmm. plumped up beautiful. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it here. This one's going to be the one um that you know we'll see if this is the route that you have to go um so i did that and um i candled him i candled him maybe like maybe two three weeks in and you saw a little worm moving in there mm -hmm. he's my strongest nail oh really yeah he's my mm. strongest nail the biggest one he he hatched that 10 grams mm -hmm. now he's like 13 14 grams and he's like feistier than ever compared yeah, to my other see, ones. that's like a lot of mine i had i think my biggest one out of the egg was like maybe nine or nine and a half grams yeah everything else was on like, oh, so like you my, had a small clutch too yeah my smallest one was one that didn't make it that one was four that was the one that was really oh, wow. off for like two weeks and then i have another one that's a six grammer that's still holding on it hasn't shed yet but seems to be yeah. doing fine so yeah my smallest is a seven yeah. it is a seven and He's still seven, and he pro he actually prolapsed. Oh man! Recently, yeah. That's, so that was scary. That that's was, never that fun. Was a scary one. I yeah. No. I went through. I played that game at one point. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a scary one. So. Did you just do the, the. He's going through that. The usual sugar sugar trick. No, actually, it, it, the sugar didn't do anything to him. I was like, "What's going on?" Um, so I called Patrick, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. I called Bill. I called Harlan. I called. To, I talked to freaking everybody. I think even Matthew Morris was helping me with that. <laughs> um, I hit up everybody. I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! I wanted to die!" You know what I mean? Um, I think it, it, we ended up doing the preparation H with um, antibacterial ointment mm -hmm. and pretty much shoving it in there um, with that. And it, apparently, the preparation H, um, like makes the tissue smaller mm -hmm. um so it could heal and um you take them off the perch they're in a little deli cup um for three weeks and he still hasn't prolapsed he, i just fed him it's been it's been four four weeks i think mm -hmm. he's been in the bin and and i just fed him the other day and he pooped and no prolapse oh good so yeah so now i'm giving him like an hour or two on a perch um and then taking him off because I don't want him to. Because when when I talked to Harlan, he was saying how like 
when they prolapse, like the tissue like detaches from the muscle. Right. So like they need to heal. Like you, yeah. you don't really want them perching and stuff. Um, so I'm just trying to get him reused to perching, but yeah. not too exhausted. It's it's a process. It's stressful. Yeah, I had well. it happen with one of mine. Um, not one of my babies, but one that I got from somebody else, and uh, mm-hmm. it was it wasn't Is that like the a, one that passed. No, no. Uh, no. <laughs> this is the sibling to that one. The one that okay. came in and I had it just I was sure that that thing was going to roll on me. I was like, there's no way this thing's going to survive. But that thing's actually rocking and rolling mm-hmm. now. It's doing great. Um, That's amazing. Did you have to stitch or no? <clears throat> nope. I actually I did the sugar thing and I sat there with that thing, uh, you know, in my hand for probably an hour and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of very gently sort of massaged it and made sure that, you know, that sugar water was getting in there good and it eventually kind of went back in and then I just, I put him back in the box and left it be for, I didn't feed it for, it was at least two weeks and I haven't had a single issue since that thing's been doing great. Hasn't come back. None of that. So I don't know. Maybe I caught it early and got lucky, but yeah, it sucked because I came home from work and it was like, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 o'clock and I walk in and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I was like, oh shit, here we go. Yeah. And so then, of mm-hmm. course, I look exactly. around the kitchen and we don't have any sugar. And so now, like, I live in a small town and everything closes at, like, 8 o'clock. And so I'm, like, Damn. trying to figure out where I go other than Walmart to get sugar. And there's, luckily, like, a 24-hour gas station right up the street from my house that happened to have a box of Domino sugar. So I bought that for, like, yeah. four bucks. And uh, <clears throat> ran home and whipped up uh, a little concoction and made it happen. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, my my wife is is home with the kids, so she saw the prolapse during the day, mm-hmm. and she did the sugar water, but it like didn't do anything by the time I got home. Yeah. So when I got home, I was I just started calling everybody. I was like, Oh no, sorry guys, <laughs> I need help. Mm-hmm. So, I will say though that with chondros, like that's the one thing that I've kind of adjusted to is like expect a problem at some point, but don't be mm-hmm. freaked out about it. Like be kind of excited to learn how to treat it and handle it so that next time it happens, you know, you're ready and it's not a big deal. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. let's fix it and get it over with. Like, let's just push through it and move on. So I definitely think people underestimate how strong they are. Definitely. Without a doubt. Like, yeah. And like how delicate they are. Like I've, I've never like there, I know people have like some that you can't move when you feed them. Mm -hmm. Every single one of mine, grab the grab the pinky and i could close it walk away i could be cleaning everybody else yeah. out and they'll eat their their pinkies and with no problem you mm-hmm. know what i mean and so with, i i think we underestimate them yeah so. with the two clutches that you've had how have the babies been as far as getting them to eat well i only have one the, oh the you have the one the yeah the one's cooking right but the, the one that you yeah. the first uh, batch how was that so um, I tried the chick down thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that really didn't seem to work. Now, Patrick told me to try gecko skin. Luckily, I have geckos. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, for some reason, he told me that. And that day, we went to my geckos, and one of them was shedding. So we took a little piece off. Mm-hmm. And you basically put it on the pinky head. Right. And they smell it, and they like it. Um, I breed my own mice, so... Mm-hmm. I had fresh pinky, so I did do live at first to see if that enticed them a little bit more. Um, I had one runner, one really, really bad runner. But I was trying, like, the 
you know, like the, all the videos you see, everybody's like, oh, you got to beat these things and yeah. stuff like that. Mine don't like that. Like, mm. you literally just put it in front of their face. Like, you don't don't hit them. Don't do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're like, leave me alone. But they, they take them like that. Um, the gecko skin worked. Um, one of them, I just left a live pinky on the bottom. Yeah. Next morning, gone. So, um, but I did have a weakling, a weakling that nobody thought was going to make it. And it's one of my best now. Um, like he was limp. Mm-hmm. Like I sent Patrick a picture and he was like, that thing is dead. Why are you sending me a picture <laughs> of that thing? I'm like, no, I swear it's not. It, it, but he was just limp. Like you would grab him and he wouldn't curl around you. Like literally he would yeah, just, lay, just there. lay there. It was so creepy. Like, but you saw his little eye move. And mm-hmm. track you. Like, mm-hmm. we literally thought it was that. No tongue flicks, no nothing. Um, So we worked with him. We did water therapy. I know it's weird. But, you know, my first babies, I'm like, you you need to work. You know what I mean? Right. So we did water therapy. And in the water, he would, you know, his little body was working. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then we helped him perch. And we would leave him perch for a little while. And then you would see his coils start loosening because mm-hmm. he was getting weaker. So we would take him off, put him back on the floor. And we pretty much did that for, I think, two weeks. Um, And he had no tongue. That's another thing. Bill was like, what do you mean he has no tongue? He had no tongue. It was the weirdest thing. He would never flick his tongue, nothing. And then eventually we saw this little, like, a clear thing Mm -hmm. pop out. And then eventually now he has a tongue. So it's like, it's almost like he was a preemie. He was our first one to pip. That's strange. He was our first one to pip. Mm-hmm. We were like, how are you strong enough? Like, he pipped, and then he went back in. And mm-hmm. he stayed in for, like, two days, I think. Yeah, that um, six-gram one was the first one to pip for me. Yeah, it, it's so it's baffling. The it's run baffling of the litter that, like, is the one that's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, but then he was limp. Like, it was very scary. But like I said, now he's, he's a beast. <laughs> you open his thing, and he's ready. So yeah, um, was, I'm glad I didn't give up on him. Yeah, I've, these these ten that I have, getting them to eat has been a real pain. Uh, yeah. The other night, uh, after a little bit of tossing the idea around and talking to Harlan a little bit, I was like, man, like these things are going on a month of being out of the egg. Still haven't gotten them to take anything. So I just, I the other night I took all ten of them and just I put a put a pinky head in their mouth and. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them, minus like, I think maybe two or three, as soon as it was in there and as soon as I put them back in the tub on their perch, they took it down like they had been eating since day one. I was like, what the hell? I had a few that they were like, they were trying to get rid of it, but then after a few minutes Mm -hmm. they figured it out and they were like, I have no choice, so they took it down, but it just, it got to a point where I had to make that call where it was like, you know, it's going to, 10 seconds of stress of me, you know, pinching them and then putting that head in there is is not going to. You know, like like you yeah. said, it's not going to kill them. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, we did a we did a mouse tail because we were scared to do the pinky head thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a mouse tail and we assist fed and um, two of them needed that. And after that, the next feeding, they ate it all by themselves. Yeah, like I, with no scent, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the head thing was easy. I just I realized kind of quick. Uh, that you have to really put it more towards the back of the mouth. Like you can't just put it in sort of like the front half and expect yeah. them to take it down. Cause they're just going to somehow spit it out. 
And so yeah. I finally have it now to where I just, you know, I put it in there and then I kind of give it a little bit of a push so it goes into the back or they, you know, they'll really bite down on it pretty hard. Their little, their jaw strength at that size is actually pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Um, and then, yeah, like I'd, I'd let them dangle from my finger for a minute and kind of chill out and then I'd gently put them back on the perch in their tub and, you know, they'd just, they'd swallow it down. Mm-hmm. It was, it was nothing. Yeah, yeah that skewer thing, th- um, stick thing that Harlan does. Yeah. We were doing we were doing tweezers for forever, mm-hmm. um, like for like the first two feedings, and then Harlan reposted his skewer stick, and I was like, huh, "Let's try it." And I think my wife did it while I was at work, and she got all of them to eat off the skewer stick because you know you don't drop them, you don't hesitate. Mm-hmm. Like literally, they could take it right off. It was amazing. I was like, "This is the best thing ever." <laughs> See, I tried it. I just couldn't keep the damn head on the stick. Kept falling off. Oh, well, yeah, with the head is probably harder. I I do it with the whole pinky. Oh, did you just do um, it, like, through the back? Yeah, through the back yeah. of the neck, yeah. Okay, I might have to try that then. Yeah, but that, yeah, it's so easy, because, like I said, once they grab the head, mm-hmm. it, they just pull it right off. Right. So there's no hesitation right. on your part or anything like that. There's no, yeah, there's no, uh, like, tension. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I so like the head thing is is nifty, but I noticed when I thaw them out, and then because I was you know I tried the skewer thing, head kept falling off. I got irritated with it. I said, "Give me the." I stole some of Jake's <laughs> tweezers. Um, yeah. But when you squeeze them, like all the juice and stuff comes out, and I feel like that's kind yeah. of the important stuff they're supposed to be having, and I'm giving them nothing but mm-hmm. like skin and bone, literally. And. That's uh, weird. But I just, they had to get something in them. It was just at that point. Um, and I weighed them all today. I weighed them all this morning and they've actually been dropping weight, which was interesting because when I weighed them a week after they came out, they had all gained a considerably amount, uh, a considerably good amount of weight, which was not, yeah, talking to David and talking to Harlan um, and some other guys, we thought that was interesting because you would think they would have been losing weight once they came out of the egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But they actually gained weight and then I think... It's been two weeks since I had weighed them as of today. They all had started losing some. So tomorrow night I'm going to throw them all something again and see if I can get them to take on their own. Do yours poop a lot? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, my things. I swear, like every other day there's poop. It's yep. like, where are you getting this from? I'm, I'm cleaning mine twice a week. Water yeah, changes twice they're... a week. New paper towel twice a week. Yeah, they're they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is crazy for condos to be known to not poop, and then their babies poop so much. It's like, what? Yeah, they're like. Colubrids. Why don't the big ones poop so much? Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you keep your your neonates pretty pretty moist? Um, no. Um, I was gonna keep a water bowl on the bottom, and then Patrick told me that you know some people some like some people have had drowned neos. Yeah. So I don't have, um, like, the 3D perches. Mm-hmm. I just did it out of hangers. <clears throat> so I cut a PV, uh, piece of PVC pipe mm-hmm. that fit a little, like, a little, let's say, a gecko feeder cup kind of right, thing. Right, right. Um, but a little bit bigger. Um, and I put that up perch level, and I missed them once or twice a day. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Oh, okay. Perfect sheds, poops all over the place. Mm-hmm. So... For the most part, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, because I was listening to Terry Phillips' episode of NPR from like seven years ago, and uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't miss his like at all. Like, doesn't really? matter what size it is. He says I don't miss them. He says like, yeah, they're supposed to be, you know, there's rain and stuff, but 
if you think about it, when it's actively raining, they're probably not out and about. They're probably trying to get away from that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I like I, I kind of overfill their water bowl usually like mm-hmm. once a week to kind of raise humidity mm-hmm. up a little bit. But I haven't been misting them. I've been keeping them kind of on the drier side just out of curiosity yeah. uh, just to see what happens. And so far, I haven't been having any issues with them. Um, like I said, I've been yeah. doing frequent water changes. I do use like bigger sized water bowls. Uh, okay. Yeah. But and the, I'll tell you what, like that's been kind of the biggest headache mm-hmm. is when I'm feeding I have to move the water bowl to whatever end of the tub they're not at because I don't want them to strike oh, so it they and don't then, slam into it. Yeah, drop into the water and then I'm having to pick them up and then they drop the mouse and don't want to eat. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's been kind of a, a headache, but having that bigger water bowl, like I put it dead center in the tub so that kind of no matter where they're at, as far as which end of the tub yeah. they are, they can, you know, they can reach it. And I don't know. No issues so far. So. Yeah, and and by mist, I don't like spray them a whole bunch. I literally give them one spray in the corner they're at, mm-hmm. and, that's and that's it. it. Once um once in the morning, like when I go check them, and then at night, and that's it. Um, and it's just you know in case they're too lazy to get to their water bowl, mm-hmm. they have little water droplets in their corner. That's it. But I don't like you said. I don't want to keep them too moist, so I just like I said, just to get them to drink. Mm-hmm. You want. I want these little things to hydrate themselves but if they're urating you know yeah you obviously know they're getting it from right. somewhere yeah and that first week i did keep them pretty pretty humid just so they could get that first shed out of the way um mm-hmm. and all of them ha- i didn't have a single issue with any of them i had one that had started like it got the nose yeah. off and then it was like it just decided to give up and so it was like i'm not doing this anymore yeah um and so that one i did like it got most of the like everything from like the back of the head down was off, so I had, to, I had to get that one, and I had to get some tweezers and peel the eye caps and all that crap off. Um, oh, man. Yeah, but other than that, every single one of them shed one piece, no problem. Uh, <clears throat> and I still have, like I said, that runty one that hasn't shed yet, and I don't know when that'll happen. But Oh, mine took a month. Oh, did they? My my little one? Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was almost like a double shed. It was weird. So one day we, we saw him shed, and we were like, oh, yay, he finally shed. Mm-hmm. The next day, he shed a full shed again. We were oh, like, weird. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest thing. It was very interesting, though, because it's like maybe he retained it for that long, and he literally shed two mm-hmm. times, like, full. It right. was so strange. We, we even guessed ourselves, but we had pictures of it because we take pictures of it, like, mm-hmm. to document it. Um, so we took a picture and then sure enough, the same exact head stamp the, the next day. So we were <laughs> like, okay, we're not crazy. <laughs> and what was that first pairing that you did? What were those adults? It's a, a Rue and, um, a Bayak. Oh, okay. So the, the sister of the black one, but mm-hmm. she has black, but she's, she's very blue compared, nice. compared to black. And what was the pairing yeah, of the clutch so- you have right now? Uh, Mount Aquari with the black biac. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So hoping for some red, red little worms mm-hmm. to come out. That oh, was no. one thing I was sweet. surprised with, is I was <laughs> expecting to get a pretty decent mix of red to yellows in my clutch, and every single one of those babies, whether they were, were alive or dead, were red. Yeah. That's yeah. That's pretty I was, good though. I was expecting some yellows, and I kept cutting eggs after they had pipped, and I was like, that one's red that one's red that one's red and then there was like two or three on the very bottom because i didn't separate the eggs which i wish i had done that's yeah. another thing i'll be doing next time um there were a couple on the bottom i couldn't get to you know 
Oh no. I, well, yeah. I, I left them be because I was like those were kept mm-hmm. warmer, so those will probably those will probably happen on their own, and they did. Um, mm-hmm. And so of course those were reds too, and I was like, okay. Well, and I talked to Harlan. He said that's not that unusual. I thought it was, but I'm new. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> same. Yeah, that, um, I'm hoping. I, I told like I maybe one or two yellows because I would like to see the difference. Like mm-hmm. you know, out of this clutch, this is how the reds look, and this is how the yellows look. Like I think that would be cool. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be mad if I had all reds. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, after that first shed, where they just, they look like like velvet. It's so yeah. weird. Like sitting on the perch, and they have so much white and red. And it's just they're so cryptic looking. It's so cool. Every time I open those tubs, every morning when I check on them, I'm like, man, these things are rad. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> but aside from those breeders, what else? What what else do you have in your collection as far as chondros go? Um, I just I just picked up. They weren't a pair together, but I just picked up a high yellow girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she was bought. In Texas, somewhere in Texas, um, and we're we're trying to find more information about it. But the guy picked her up as um, a Biax Cyclops, and the the breeder was also selling the parents. And the guy was going to pick up the like buy the parents and everything, but then the guy ended up sending it selling it to somebody else. So he knows it was a breeder in te- like somewhere in Texas, mm-hmm. but we don't know who. So it's like. We're like, who produced this thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but apparently it's a Biax like cops and she's high yellow. She has her blue dorsals, but it's like a very faint blue. Mm-hmm. And then, so I bought her because she was a really good price. And then um, I think it was like maybe a day after I actually received her. Um, Chad Gray posted a little, bi- he calls it a Biax, but it was produced by Peter Jolie. Yeah, I saw that a one. A little, yeah, a little male, mm-hmm. but it has like monoquari or like a sarong red dorsal. Like the dorsal mm-hmm. is definitely not a biac. You know what I mean? So me and me and Patrick are trying to f- get in contact with Peter and see what the pairing was or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked him up just because he matched so well with her that I was like, oh, this is insane. Um, so I picked him up too. So that's a future project once the girl's up to weight and everything. Um, and they're both out of quarantine. I plan on pairing them, um, GTP wise. Mm-hmm. And that's my only female. I'm looking for another female cause I just picked up, it was supposed to be a boy. I mean a girl, but it ended up being a boy, but it has such a black dorsal that I ended up keeping him, but I want to put something with him. But, you know, girls are hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, and you have Storm, who's that really sort of bizarre, diet. yeah, with the really dark dorsal. Um, and it's funny because I see yeah, that one, good. and Bill Albright, who vends a lot of the Repticons and stuff here, he's actually semi-local. I mean, he's in Charleston, which is about an hour from me. Um, mm-hmm. The last few shows, he's had a Beoc type that looks so similar to that. Not really? as dark, yeah, not as dark of a dorsal, but it has that strange sort of, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a quilted, like all the scales are outlined in black. Yeah. Like that really faint black outline on every scale. And uh, mm-hmm. I went to like a Charlotte show, um, a Columbia show, and I want to say like maybe a Charleston show. 
And that Chondra was at all three of those. No one had bought it. And I was really tempted to pick it up. Um, oh, wow. I don't know. I think it was Surprised a male. Yeah. And it was, it was <laughs> oh, just okay. so bizarre looking. I was like, man, I'll bet you that thing would throw some really cool stuff if you paired it with the right, you know, right counterpart or, because I don't remember if it was a male yeah, or female. But, but... <clears throat> true, true to Bayek nature, like, I, I know some people are going to be like, what do you mean? I think she was ugly before she turned her mm-hmm. blues and her blacks. Like he sent the guy that sold me her sent me pictures of um of her like when she was like right before she started getting crazy colors. Right. When she was just a little green and yellow bayak, like normal looking. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell? Where did this blue and all these other colors come from? And like it, you can't tell on her, but you can tell more on her sister. They have like a yellow dorsal, so they have like yellow triangles all throughout their back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her, it's harder because she's so black, but you could see it, like, towards her tail because her tail is pretty much just blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so cool, like, how many colors she has in her. And how big was she when you got her? Oh, she was big. She was pretty big. They were, like, 750. Oh, okay. They were, they yeah. were pretty big. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that well, sort of goes with the whole name behind lottery reptiles is you know green trees you just you never know what you're gonna get Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely that's 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 one of the gambles i feel Mm -hmm. about green trees like you you could pick up this out of a normal two normal bayaks you might get this black bayak Mm -hmm. because you never know like you just never know with these things because you don't know uh, especially with imports you don't know what their grandparents look like you don't know anything so you might end up with this crazy looking condor out of two ordinary parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the that's thing so that cool. I love about them the most though, is like, you know, ball pythons, like anybody can pit, put two of those together, you know, and unless it's and something no. that's never been bred before, they'll, they'll know what's going to come out of that. But like green yeah. trees, like even the best of the best couldn't tell you what you're going to get out of that. And to me, like that's yeah. what, that's what I love about them so much is like that playing field is completely leveled. You know, mm-hmm. you could pick up a $300 condro at Repticon and I mean, it. There's a good chance it's probably not going to be anything spectacular. It's still going to be a pretty mm-hmm. snake. It's still going to be a chondro. Yeah. But you could also, you know, there is that slim chance of it being just something completely out of this world and look, you know, completely mm-hmm. coming out of left field. Or producing something crazy. <laughs> that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like look at um, quades, quades that yeah. he got that he got that I think Ryan imported or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah, that thing like, is nuts. That, thing is so cool that is one of the the coolest bikes that i've ever seen i'm like holy moly can i have you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i was cleaning today actually this morning and i one my i have a sub-adult uh biok that's uh starting to get some some pretty decent black outlining around the triangles that i didn't notice until this morning so oh, that's i'm cool. curious to see what happens with that and then i have yeah, a little yellow juvie that's almost almost completely green now so i'm i'm hoping that'll be something cool too but yeah there's no such thing as an ugly one that's the best thing about them too ugly chondros do not yeah. exist yeah yeah they're very they're very different than any other thing even than emerald emeralds are close mm-hmm. close cousins type thing but they're just so different like you said with the, all the colors and the fact that you just never know you know what i mean and you how many emeralds do you have you have some emeralds right 
Um, so I bought a basin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bought a basin that was in pretty rough shape, um, but I finally got him up to par, and I was like, I need to find the female. So the same the same guy that was selling um, the that I bought the high white, I mean, sorry, high yellow mm-hmm. off of female, he had a female high white emerald, and that's what I wanted for my basin. And I made a deal, and we got both of them. <laughs> so now I have one northern high white and a basin that hopefully they make some weird stuff. And what's eventually. your <laughs> what's your experience with those been compared to Condros? Because uh, Marshall Mendez was on NPR the other night, and he was saying that he thinks emeralds are actually fairly easier to keep than Condros in terms of. Uh, definitely getting neos established he says they're you know they require almost no effort um yeah and he was saying just them being sort of a bigger sort of bulkier snake he just he hasn't had as many issues with those as he had with chondros but i don't know what your experience has been i'm always curious to talk to people who've had both you know as to you know what what they think about like the two compared to each other yeah well you know i had a rough start because like i said with the basin it was it was a good price but with anything that comes with a good price it comes with right. the negatives you know <laughs> so i mean this thing was bad like mm-hmm. bad like i thought i was gonna lose him and i was like that's a lot of money mm-hmm. <laughs> that i just put into this project yeah. and you know but he pulled through he pulled through i mean he had mites he had a severe ri like severe ri mm. um like we did the regular medicine that didn't work so we had to i hit up you know ed marino and everybody and i was like you know Obviously, you have more experience with basins. Like, what do you find that helps? And he said, only Betro. And I was like, man, I don't want... And yeah, I think I hit you sucks. up about it. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. I don't want to do that to him. But, I mean, I think the first shot, his wheezing just stopped. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you would walk in, you would walk into his room, like the, the quarantine room, and right. you would just hear him, like a high-pitched whine. And that was just him breathing. Mm-hmm. It was insane. And the first shot, he came home, no more wheezing. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> Whatever this stuff is, is crazy. But the Betro got him back. Betro, tube feeding. Um, so, you know, as far as taking care, I would say he was pretty rough in the beginning. But now he's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I got lucky. He's amazing. And the northern I got, I guess the guy handled her or something because she's amazing like we'll put your her her head right in your hand is so chill Mm -hmm. hardly strikes at mice like she'll literally just open her little mouth and (laughs) grab the mouse (laughs) it's like what are you doing (laughs) be aggressive Mm -hmm. so i I mean i think they're they're beautiful as far as care i would say they're very similar yeah very similar except people drop them a lot more than what you would think um uh, ed marino posted something on the on like that group and it's 86 85 hotspot during the day and then they drop them to 78 and yeah it's like that's an extreme drop that if you do that's a a chondro you're gonna get an Mm (laughs) ri you know what i mean yeah and i've heard people talk about like amazons are actually seem to do better at slightly cooler temperatures than than you would think too and I keep yeah. Amazons. I mean, they they're they're pretty pretty tough. Um, but I've I've just recently heard that they seem to do better at cooler temperatures than they do hotter. 
which is kind of surprising because mm-hmm. you would think you know South America for the most part is pretty warm compared to you know where condors are coming from. Uh, oh yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I guess Papua New Guinea seems to be a bit more stable, you know, across the board as far as temperatures go compared to yeah anywhere down south. So. <clears throat> Agreed. I mean, I I don't drop them because I I run ambient mm-hmm. um, in my room. So I don't drop them that much. I don't, I mean, I don't think there's really a need because I kind of keep it like they have like heat panels. So they have mm-hmm. their hotspot. And then at night, the, the entire room is 80s, um, low 80s. So I don't drop them that drastic, but apparently they can be. <laughs> and have so. you, have you done, did you, as far as when you were, when you've bred, do you, what did you do? Did you do any cycling or did you just kind of pair them up and wait for the magic to happen? I did. I so I did a slight cycle because, like I said, I run ambient, so I I don't really I didn't really drop the girls that much. So I went from maybe two degrees, mm-hmm. maybe two degrees to cycle them, um, and then I did Harlan's method of um, speeding up the food, mm-hmm. of giving more food, smaller sizes, and that's what kicked them into gear. So. That's really it. I don't. I didn't really like do the drastic drops or anything like that. Just the, the two working hand in hand slightly, and right. they both they both went for me for whatever reason. It was pretty. It, it seemed pretty easy as much as I don't want to say it, <laughs> um, but for some reason it worked for me. No, I mean I think breeding them and getting eggs from them is probably the one of the easiest parts about having them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I put my male in with my girl in June and I'd separate him to feed him but I pretty much just let him do his thing when she was ready he would know and he'd go right over to her and I saw mm-hmm. plenty of locks and I didn't get eggs until I saw an ovulation I want to say late December I got eggs in February yeah. so but I yeah. saw a ton of locks between June and December and I mean I, my female's in a pretty big cage she's in a four foot uh, like API or something. Um, yeah. So there was more than enough space for them to get away from each other if they wanted to. Um, if it was a smaller, like a cube, I probably wouldn't have kept them together full time, but because they had, you know, all that room to, to do whatever they wanted to do, they, uh, they mm-hmm. did fine. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. I, I kept mine in, um, and kind of like the boy kind of gave me the vibe. My, my boy went off feed and mm-hmm. like when I was handling him, he went straight to the girl that I was actually going to pair him with. He went straight <laughs> to her cage and we were like, Hmm. And then we moved him away. We tried it again. He went straight to her cage mm-hmm. and we were like, maybe you're ready. Yeah. And, and you know, her, her sister was right underneath her and mm-hmm. he wasn't going to her. So I was like, maybe she's ready and yeah. he's ready. So, you know, we tried it. And like you said, a couple minutes, he went straight to her. He was in. He was yeah. like, hey, what's up? <laughs> well, I just, I mean, that's what I was told was basically pair them until you get eggs. And so I was like, okay, like I'm not going to, you know, I didn't cycle them. I didn't do any of that. And it was pretty clear when she was on, you know, he was right there on top of her with her. And then when she was yeah. off, they'd be at opposite ends of the of the setup. But then, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks would pass and he'd be right back next to her. Or like a storm front would come in and he's right there next to her. Like it was... It was really drastic, you know, because you could tell when yeah. they didn't have any interest in each other. And then randomly, you know, I wouldn't see action for a month. And then I'd come in one night from work and they'd be locked up. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, he's going to know better than anything, you know, than I will. 
Mm-hmm. So, Agreed. I, I trust their judgment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was an interesting thing to watch too, because like they were like always he was always courting her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Even like if they weren't doing anything, he was on top of her. He was wrapped. Yeah, up with I felt her. bad for mine, man. He would not leave her alone. When I first put him in there, the first like two weeks, if she went to one end, yeah. he followed her. I was like, man, she is probably so done with this guy. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that I didn't get any slugs because with my first pairing, mm-hmm. um, we thought she ovulated when she was follicle developing. So, you know, people say once they ovulate, they're done. And he wasn't, they were separate sides. And we were like, we swear she ovulated. Everybody's like, no, she's follicle development. We're like, no, she was huge. If you were there in person, yeah. you would see her. You know what I mean? So we were so in denial. So we took the boy out because, like you said, we were like, oh, my God, he's squishing her. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so we took the boy out, and she ovulated, like, weeks after that. <laughs> we were like, oh, this is ovulation. <laughs> yeah, see, I thought mine was follicle development, and it was the ovulation. Oh, really? Cause, yeah, because I sent pictures to uh, Brian Fisher after doing the episode with him, you know, at the beginning of mm-hmm. starting doing this podcast, and because I, I was talking to him after we had finished recording, and you know, I was like, yeah, man, he's like, I think mine's, you know, I told him, I was like, I think mine's developing follicles, um, you know, I haven't seen an ovulation yet or anything, and I took pictures, and I sent it to him, and he's like, mm-hmm. dude, that's totally an ovulation, but I mean, for whatever reason, looking at it that day, I was like, she's not that big, like, I'm used to seeing pictures of, like, the grossly painfully looking you know huge ovulations and i was like that ain't it but then i look at the pictures now i'm like that was totally an ovulation like i don't know what i was thinking that day but so he's like get ready for eggs because that's an ovulation dude and i was like okay (laughs) sure enough like clockwork did you get any slugs i got one Uh i got one dud it's in my freezer i named it dudley (laughs) i kept it for sentimental reasons i don't know why it's weird that's funny. It's my first dud. It's yeah. In the, in the freezer with some dead snakes and mice and all the other odd shit that's in there. <laughs> Hopefully you have a freezer for just that and it's not with your meat. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not in the house. It's in the, in the other room. It's got some of my roommate's uh, ice cream and stuff in it for some reason. He doesn't seem to care. But whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So what do you, as far as feeding yours, what do you, what do you prefer to feed and how often? Um, so right now my girls are working on bulking up. So I do every 10 days, um, with the girls because they lost 300 plus grams. Mm-hmm. Um, so they look sickly, <laughs> so I feel bad for them. Um, but besides that, it's 10 to 14 days, but it, it's kind of scattered cause I don't want to put them like on a schedule. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we'll do it on a Friday, on a Monday, like it's all over the place. Change it up a little bit. Just yeah. so, yeah, just so they don't know when it's food time. Um, but I feed mice and, um, ASFs. I breed ASFs. I can't, you know, do the, the rat thing. Yeah. The big ones. <laughs> um, so I do ASFs. That's, that's their variety. Mice and ASFs. <clears throat> What do you feed? Do you feed rats? No. I mean, I I fed my girl before, like, when I paired, when I had the male in with her and I separated to feed her. I gave her, like, maybe two rats over the course of, because I was, I feed my adults, like, once a month. 
Um, I really okay. didn't bulk my girl up too much. I did feed her slightly, like I'd, maybe I'd feed her twice a month rather than just the once. And a couple yeah. of those times I did give her a rat. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I'd like... I like to keep mine, I guess, a little on the thinner side. Um, yeah. But, I mean, she did fine. Like, I was kind of worried. I was like, when I was saw that she was going to be giving me eggs, I was like, oh, man, I hope I fed her enough. I hope, you know, she has enough to to get through it. And, I mean, I had zero issues. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't have any retained eggs or anything like that. She she seemed to do fine. It's it's her first time uh, breeding. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do, you, do you know what she weighed before? No. Maybe? No, I don't have a. I need to get a scale okay. big enough to weigh the adults. What do you What do yeah. you use? Uh, I got one off of Amazon. What I What I checked because I I bought a small one and that that was just horrible. Like it was not working. No yeah. matter what bowl yeah. I put on top of it. So it's like a food grade one. But I what I did was I checked the dimensions of the surface area. Mm -hmm. Like, can I fit? You know. So mine I think is like nine by eight or something like that. Okay. Um. So that way I could fit a big bowl on it, and what I just do is I put the perch on it, weigh them, and then I remove them from the perch. Like you know, they want to go back into their cage, so mm -hmm. they usually leave the perch, and then I weigh the perch. And then just subtract. Um, it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I I needed mm -hmm. all I have because I was breeding cresteds before I decided to go back to focus on snakes. And so I have, you know, the small yeah, so little, the small little, little scales that are meant to be able, <laughs> they don't go over like 600 grams or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Agreed. but the girl that, that laid for me, she's a, she's a big biok. She is, I mean, that, that cage she's in is four feet and she goes the length of that. And then some, she's, she's pretty big. So, yeah. My, my Aru is huge. My male Aru is, a, we weighed him today. He's he's a thousand grams. We're Ooh. like, whoa, buddy, whoa. Good yeah, God. he was big to begin with. Everybody was like, maybe he's a girl because mm -hmm. that's how big he was. And I was like, he's not a girl. He has spurs. I'm pretty sure he's not a girl. <laughs> um, and the guy that sold them to me sexed them, but like I said, the one that was supposed to be a girl ended up being a boy. So you know, but obviously he produced. But yeah, you know, he went off feed for forever, and then he finally went back at food and we weighed him today and he's huge <laughs> he is ginormous is, we're like okay big. you're going on a diet yeah yeah he's a, he's a big boy though like he's very long like mm -hmm. i would say five six feet you know what i mean so wow. he's, a, he's a big boy yeah and i his girth i mean the girls are bigger than him girth wise mm -hmm. so he's just a big boy but I'm definitely after seeing the a thousand gram mark, I'm like, okay, diet for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I met my male, like I've only recently gotten him eating frozen thawed. Before I could only get him to eat live. He would not touch. He was much more interested in killing me when I opened the cage to feed him mm -hmm. than any food I ever gave him. But if I threw a live mouse in there, he was mm -hmm. on it. It was gone in like five minutes. Like I'd leave the room, come back in, and it was gone. But yeah. as of recently, I've got him. He's eaten frozen thawed for me the last like three times I've fed him, which has seemed like nothing short of a miracle. Because for the first two years of having him, it was all live all the time, and it was such a, it was so frustrating. I mean, I'm not not that I'm worried that the mouse would like hurt him or anything like that, but you know, having yeah. to go and buy live mice, and then you know, if he just ends up striking it and not actually eating it, now I can't really feed it to anything else because I don't want to, you know. If he has anything, yeah. I don't want to pass it on to anything else. And it just, 
Yeah. You know, then I have a live mouse so that do. I now have to do something with, and it's just it, it's so nice knowing that I don't have to deal with that anymore anytime soon, at least. Yeah, we do pre-killed, but um, I mean, ours do eat anything. You, mm-hmm. you could you could stick anything in there, and they're they're eating. <laughs> So even my sarong, he's he's tiny. Um, he's my smallest. He's like what I would say, like two hundred grams somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. He's like two hundred grams. He's he's really tiny. Um, granted, I sold him, but you know, right now he's still in my possession, so I'm calling him my sarong. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's a beast. Like the sweetest little thing. Like if you're touching him and stuff, he'll come up to your hand and make sure you're not a mouse. Mm-hmm. But you put anything in there, and any time of day, anything he's yeah. eating it. So if he just, he'll yeah, eat that's, anything. That's you how anything. my three other. That's how my big female is. That's how my other two younger ones are. Like, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. If it's if it's hot and it's moving, they're gonna go for it. <laughs> and my female yeah. too. Like especially, she's bounced back after laying really fast. Like she's pretty much back to where she was. Um, She's, I don't, I don't know if you notice this with yours, but she seems to have kind of an attitude shift after laying. Like she just seems a little more on edge than she usually is. Like she's usually pretty mellow, but now it's like if I go in there in the morning or in the afternoon, like she kind of wakes up and then she just sits there and sort of waits for me to open up. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. So, Maybe she's, she's probably still hungry, but yeah, she bounced it, back. It, it's interesting with my girls, like, um, so one was always feisty. Like, she was always really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she was mating and stuff, like, when they were in together, she was so nice. Like, you could go in, you could put the camera in front of her face, she would do nothing. Right. Now, if you're even by her glass, she's like, I'm going to eat <laughs> you through the glass. And then her sister, the one that just recently laid Storm, the black one, she is amazing it's crazy like they're your sisters and you guys are completely different one mm-hmm. wants to eat me and the other one's like hey what's up <laughs> yeah the two the two that i have from luke one's like the one that have that's been just nothing but trouble uh that one's kind of feisty the other one that i got from him recently is is kind of the opposite it's much more shy it's just kind of like you know if i touch it it's like leave me alone and tucks its head down just completely deactivates and just doesn't want anything to do with me Oh, but yeah. How do so you, uh, yeah? How do you, how do you keep yours? Do you keep yours in natural setups? Keep them pretty simple. What do you, what do you like to do? I would say kind of a mix of both because I use natural sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're in, uh, pretty much it's an entertainment center converted. Um, so it's basically a wood enclosure. Um, oh yeah, I've seen I've I seen could, the pictures of that. Yeah, yeah. So I converted those, and we, you know, we put the little fake plants in. And we put they're on a PP pad with sticks from outside, mm-hmm. like the crepe, the crepe myrtles. Yeah, or that's what I like to use the most. Those that that yeah. wood is perfect. I use that for my brettles. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have some that I, I had a buddy remove one of those from his yard. And so I told him, I was like, before you haul that off, like, let me go and get some stuff off of it because mm-hmm. the, the wood from those <laughs> things is so perfect for that stuff. Cause it's so hard and it, it, it doesn't mold. Um, yeah, but I have some sticks left from that, that I want to use. I just, I don't know 
like a the ones I have aren't really long enough for the big female so they're kind of an awkward size where they probably won't fit for anything I want to use them for you know as far as the bigger stuff goes and they're too big for smaller snakes um yeah but how do you like how do you mount yours how are they mounted in the um the what are they called I think they're like closet rod holders oh okay like you get them yeah like one one of them is open and Mm -hmm. one of them is closed but you know so they're easily removable, and I just drill them in to the sides, and all the all the sticks are on there. Mm-hmm. what I did for my I have like one of those uh, branches is in one of my Brettles Python tubs, um, and I okay. have it going like diagonally corner to corner, and I just mm-hmm. took some like hook and eye screws and I screwed the hook oh, part yeah, into the branch. Yeah, and that worked out really well. So if I end up doing that with any of the conjures, it'll probably be something similar because it's pretty easy to to remove and I don't have to worry about it falling off but man that those natural perches just look so much better if I could use those oh, and yeah. all mine I would yeah I agree <laughs> yeah I, I if um I have a, like a mix some of them have like you know the burnt pvc and stuff mm-hmm. um and then they have the natural cuz I think the natural is cool for them cuz you know sometimes they have the bumps they have like the weird yeah, texture yeah, you know like I think it's notches yeah. and knobs and stuff yeah yeah, and sometimes we switch up the perches, you know what I mean? Like, you, we cut new ones, so then they'll, like, and you're changing their environment mm-hmm. in a sense, you know what I mean? So it usually gets them going and being like, hey, what's this, and moving around, so. Yeah, that's something my buddy Riley Jimison or Riley Rep, uh, Riley's Reptiles, he's big on, is, like, very, like, nothing major, but he's big on, like, enrichment mm-hmm. for snakes. And even if it's something as small as, like, you know, with my Bear's Rats, uh, I'll take a new, like, protein bar box from my roommate that's empty. I'll cut a hole in that, and I'll hide a mouse in that and make them kind of, you know, really hunt for it. Oh, that's um, cool. Small stuff, you know. I'll take a box from the female, one of my, you know, my, my biggest pair of Bear's Rat snakes. I'll take a, uh, a box from the that's been in the female's cage for a month. I'll put it in the male's, uh, vice yeah. versa. They're just, like, very small stuff that kind of just sort of makes them move a little more and kind of investigate and... Just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, stimulate them a little bit. And, you know, everyone thinks that, yeah. like, stimulation or uh, quote-unquote enrichment has to be this big thing, you know, where there's some sort of, like, drastic maze they have to go through or something. And it really doesn't have to be anything yeah. more than, you know, adding a, a paper towel tube for a week and then removing it yeah, and switching it out, you know, switching it out with something else. You know, small stuff like that does, I think, make a difference. <clears throat> I agree. I agree. I mean, yeah, like, you, you think about it and these are, you know, wild animals in a box so like we take them out as soon as it gets nice out we take them out and Mm -hmm. we put their perch on a chair and they start going all over the place my boy my manaquari he won't deal he smells the outside air and he's gone he's like (laughs) i'm off this perch yeah like i have no idea how people get pictures of their snakes like my boys are out as soon as they're outside Mm -hmm. they're gone now the girls are more like I, where am I and they'll just kind of stay on their perch and sniff around and stuff it'll take them a while to actually get off their perch and like go on the chair or something but do my you, boys are gone yeah do you give yours like UV or anything like that you give them you have UV lights or you just let them no I have a like the little LED strips mm-hmm. on the top of the things but no we we take them out in the summer that's really it for a, for a little while and then you know for a little bit of sun because you know, you want to keep them warm. You don't want yeah. them to go too low. And then we'll put them in the shade, and that's really it. Hmm. That's, yeah. You know. 
I take my big male brettles out every now and then if it's nice outside. I'll I'll take him outside and let him cruise. I, he's big and he's always cruising. He's always wanting to come out, so I'll you know, I'll indulge him most days because he's so mellow and he's chill. I don't have to worry about him spazzing out. Yeah, we actually took our carpet um, outside the other day, mm-hmm. and she went straight on top of like I have two kids, so they have a swing set. She mm-hmm. went straight on top of the swing set, perched like the, like a perch on a corner, mm-hmm. and knocked out right on top of the swing set. It was the <laughs> coolest thing. So we left her there for like an hour, and then we were like, okay, we're going inside. It's your time to go. <laughs> I know like the, the some people like to give brettles in particular. They like to give them UV because they think it helps their colors a little more. But I don't know. For, don't, for brettles? Yeah, I don't use UV on any of my stuff, but... I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's something. I don't, like, I'm I don't sure on the snakes. Help. Yeah, I don't on the snakes because I feel like most snakes hide from the sun, don't they? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I have the LED lights, but it's literally for pictures because mm-hmm. I have a window in the snake room, so I we open up the thing, the we open up the window, and then that that's their daylight and nighttime. Yeah. So. So what else are you 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 have more than just chondros, obviously. Oh yeah. So what else are yeah. you what else are you working with? I mean, as far as projects, I have the high yellows, the emerald basin mix, and I want to do carpondros. I know oh, a lot yeah. of people are against it, but I think they're so cool. I think the seventy fives are better looking mm-hmm. um, than just the fifty fifties. But obviously, you have to start somewhere. So I'm going to start with the 50 50s because i love carpets in general yeah so i'm gonna do 50 50s and then eventually hopefully do 75s because i um i think it's called jante nation or something like that yeah he has he has these freaking Dude, 75 25s and i'm those like those things are Can i have that yeah yes like, yes so i that's that's like a goal of mine. I mm-hmm. want to try to recreate those. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a massive hybrid guy, but my buddy Billy Hunt produced some Jag Pondros, mm-hmm. and I'm not like against them or anything like that. It's just not something I have any desire to to produce myself. But I definitely appreciate them for like what they are. Like they're cool. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And seeing those in person was pretty sweet. Like those things, they're just they're they're so strange. It's almost like the the Chihuahua Cresty hybrids. Oh, just yeah, very strange looking yeah which mm-hmm. to me just those kind of make me giggle like those are a hybrid that i'm like why like you're gonna take a thousand dollar gecko and pair it to a crested it's like you, yeah like why <laughs> so true. like you're gonna buy a ferrari that's and put so a prius engine in it like what's the point yeah but, they kind of look like gargoyles i feel yeah they're kind of like they, well, they like, get like a weird like a gargoyle yeah. mixed with like a sarasonorum or something like that like they're just they're yeah. really weird but i don't know some i mean if if there's a hybrid that can be made, there's someone out there who's going to take a crack at it. Try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've never seen the whole ball python, green tree python thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that one's weird. Because I feel like at least carpets are very close relatives. Right, right. They're in the same group. I, yeah, I don't see it with a ball python. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's the goal in that one to make a tiny... A tiny green tree or something, yeah. or a big green tree. Like, <laughs> take the two laziest snakes in the right. freaking hobby and see if you can make one super snake that just literally doesn't move. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like I wonder if Carpanjos and like those like the the mix of those mm-hmm. makes like a more active green tree python kind of thing. Like I wonder what the effect is on that. Yeah, Billy's were weird. He doesn't really give his a perch. They seem to just be like carpets and just you know whatever you give them is what they're gonna use. They don't really care. Um, yeah. But I think his getting them to start eating was kind of a pain. Like it took them a while to kind of take off on their own. Uh-huh. But they look really cool. He's got he well he has some he has some jag pondros and then he has some car pondros from that same clutch, and uh, they look pretty sweet. I got to see them in person when we went down to Carpet Fest uh, back in February, and they were pretty neat. They're pretty pretty cool looking. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's just a, a little side thing I want to do. I mean, it's not like something that I want to do forever. Yeah. It's just something that I want to experience, you know, one clutch or whatever kind of thing. And that's that's really it. Besides green tree pythons, is those little side projects that mm-hmm. I just want to see what happens. And are you breeding geckos too? Yeah, but it, it's more of like my wife's little hobby thing. Oh, like okay. She likes geckos. Yeah, yeah, I like the mossies, so I just mm-hmm. got into mossies myself. But it's more Ooh, of a hobby thing. It's, well, I have sicaries. Oh. Yeah. See, chihuahuas and Euro. Saying it right. Yeah, chihuahuas and Europlatus are like two geckos that I'd I'd go back into lizards for. Yeah, like I'd get back into. Are so cool. I'd get back into into four legged things for that. <laughs> yeah, we have we have picked this geckos too, but like I said, that's literally just a mm-hmm. hobby thing. That it's like if we have babies, we're probably gonna keep them, or if you know we end up male heavy. Hey, do you want one? <laughs> you know, it's not mm-hmm. something that at least right now is not taking off. We're more focused on the green trees and working on that. I mean, once you have babies, your hands are pretty much full. <laughs> yeah. Them. I enjoyed my time with geckos. I bred cresteds for a few years, and then I've always been a snake guy. Like, I've never been big on lizards, and then I got into cresteds. I was like, man, these things are awesome, and they're so easy, and, like, they're super easy to breed. And I was like, I'm just going to, you know, keep them and try it out. And ended up with countless amounts of them by the time I got out of them. But I don't know. I enjoyed keeping them, but, man, I got so many hours of my week back when I got out of those things. Like snakes. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It takes so much more time yeah. than, you know, oh, you poop today? Okay, let mm-hmm. me get you. No, the other ones are like, you need to be fed, you need to be watered every PNG day. is expensive. A couple times a day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely, that's why I said where it's literally just a hobby. We have, I think, what, two, uh, two males and three females? Mm-hmm. That's it. So we're just doing it as, a, you know, our little pets and yeah. seeing what comes out of them. No, I mean, they were great for sort of getting the business off the ground and, you know, kind of getting my name out there and building up decent reviews and stuff on the page and sort of learning the ins and outs of selling and shipping and all that stuff. And But snakes just make you lazy. Yeah, it's, they, they so do. I Like, I can get, you know, my entire collection of snakes cleaned in, like, half the time that it took me to clean 40-plus geckos on a Sunday. Yeah. Like I used to literally like Sundays were cleaning days for geckos and I would literally start at like nine or 10 in the morning and I wouldn't be done until like three o'clock. Holy moly. Yeah. That's why I'm glad our our collection is small. (laughs) I can't imagine that. 
I don't know how the guys do it. Like the dudes at like Tiki's Geckos and Pangea, oh, yeah. and I mean obviously Pangea is staffed, so they have the manpower to do that. But like the people yeah. that have big collections and it's just them, it's like man, I do not miss that one bit. Yeah, and Tiki's do chameleons too, and chameleons mm-hmm. are so high maintenance too. Yeah, that's 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 something. I mean, I have a Chinese water dragon, mm-hmm. and he's pretty he's pretty high maintenance, but you know that's one. <laughs> So, and I don't, I don't know if I would be able to do it with so many. Yeah, the only thing with legs I keep now are dart frogs, and those are those are crazy easy. Those are no more work than the snakes are really. So. Yeah, I want a monitor. <laughs> I would love to get into monitors. Okay. I just don't have the space, the time, or much of the desire to to deal with. It. I just don't have that much time to really socialize with it and get it to a. Yeah. You know, and a decent level of calm. Yeah, yeah, because you gotta, yeah, you definitely have to take your time with them. But yeah, that's 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 my future pet, hopefully. Which species do you want? I, I like croc monitors. Mm-hmm. I like them a lot. Um, I think that's that's like the topping of the cake for them yeah. but i also like the green tree monitors mm-hmm. green tree monitors and the blue tree monitors those yeah. are insane looking yeah, if i were going to so. do monitors it would be the trees or like one of the smaller species like rock monitors or ackies or yeah. something i'm not i don't have any interest in like the uh like the water monitors or anything that gets huge yeah yeah definitely like you said the croc monitors and the tree monitors are like the tree monitors are just freaking gorgeous mm-hmm. and croc monitors are just beasts they're, i mean they're, they're dinosaurs so cool. yeah they're just they're, mm-hmm. they're like four-legged raptors yeah yeah they're so cool so that's definitely something that maybe in you know five six years i'll have some <laughs> who knows you never know yeah they're neat i just like i said i don't have the space for them and that's just that's a lot of a lot of work. They're kind of like parrots, you know. They just they need a lot of attention. Yeah. You know, you can't just keep it in the corner and expect it to be friendly and you know manageable. And yeah. and parrots, I'd love to have a parrot, but same thing. You know, I don't I don't know that I have the time to really give it that it needs. So. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. Parrots are cool, but like you said, <clears throat> there's so so much maintenance. It's like having a kid. Yeah. Exactly. So. You can't just cover it with a sheet and expect it to not lose its mind. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. What's the uh, What's the plan for pro- uh, condors in the in the coming year or two? What do you got in line? I would say I would say the high yellows. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna breed the girls again. You know, this upcoming season, mm-hmm. or if it's gonna be like you know a two year wait or whatever. I you know, you kind of got to go on what they look like, you know, uh, if you feel like they're good enough next time. Because if not, like I said, I only have three girls. So if they're not up to par, then it's just going to be my high yellows and that's it. Hopefully I could pick up a blue girl. I want a blue girl so I could put her with my black bayac, mm-hmm. the, the one that I just got. Because I think blue and black is like my thing. That's, yeah, that would be that would be pretty sweet to see what that hap- you know, yeah. what comes of that. Yeah, blue blues and blacks are, are my favorite and then the 
the ye- high yellows with the blue dorsals. Mm-hmm. That's another, like those high, I guess they're called high yellow sarongs, those high yellow sarong, the glaciers. Yeah. They're so dope. So that's, that's like <clears throat> my little project with the yellows to see if I could create something like that. Mm-hmm. And going back to, to neonates, what, what do you, do you, uh, just with that first clutch you had, did you hold on to all of them for a while or did you kind of sell them as soon as they were ready? Like, what do you, as far as hold I still go, have them. What, what? I still have them. I'm okay. planning on keeping them <laughs> for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, if I have all 15 of the next ones, I definitely want to keep them. Um, so I, I think I'm going to be holding on to them well until their color change, you know, mm-hmm. like to me, it's about seeing what, comes out of these weird projects right you know so well, right guess, now everything is a hold back <laughs> yeah that's kind of the silver lining to me losing you know the handful that i lost is like before i was like man if i end up if i if all of these hatched this is before they pipped and you know i realized that a handful were gone before they even came out but it's like if all 17 of these hatch like i'll keep half and i'll sell half but now that mm-hmm. I'm, you know, now that I have 10, it's so much more like I can just totally kick back and just sit on them for as long as I want. Yeah. There's so much Agreed. less pressure. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. But now, you know, once I have, let's say all 15 hatch, you know, it's a miracle all 15 hatch. Right. So I'll have 20 Neos. And then if, you know, the yellows take off and the emeralds take off, obviously then I'm just going to be overwhelmed with babies. So I'll probably mm-hmm. start getting rid of some then but i think i'm probably going to get rid of more like those the emerald basin mixes yeah i'll probably hold like one or two back depending on their pattern because you could with those it's easier you could see their pattern you could see mm-hmm. what they're going to come out like you know what i mean right you just there's don't just know more what, of a color shift shade of green. A, right right correct yeah so with them is you know i'll choose the ones that i think i like the whites more and the rest are going to be up for sale as opposed to the green trees, I don't know where you're going to come out like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have you have Bayek in you. Yep. <laughs> that's that's yep. enough that's said. That's the secret ingredient <laughs> with a lot of that designer stuff is either Wilmina or Biog. And... Oh, yeah. And that, and that's that's like my future. Like, it's going to be hard to find, but I want a Wilmina and Arfok in mm-hmm. my collection eventually. But those are like my my dream animals because, like you said, they they throw weird stuff. They do weird things. And when are you thinking of pairing up the emeralds? Uh, the girl's kind of small on the smaller side. She's, I believe, she's like 700, 800 grams. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm, being that she's going to be pregnant for a long time, I'd, I want her to be, you know, like 1,000 grams. So it'll probably be six months to a year on her. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not too but bad, that, though. That, should, that time goes yeah, by Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not in a rush. You know, you want to make sure that your females are okay first, because mm-hmm. they're of they're of age. But the guy wasn't going to breed them, so it's not like he was like, okay, I need to get these. Right, to wait. he wasn't you know pumping I mean? them to get them get them there. Yeah, yeah, but to me, for an emerald to hold babies and everything, like I'm I'm not gonna put a 800 gram female through that. So. Mm-hmm. I want to get so into them eventually. Uh, I'd really, you know, I think emeralds are kind of almost, a, they go hand in hand with the green tree guys. I think there's, you know, at some point green tree guys own an emerald or even a few, whether mm-hmm. they keep them or don't, you know, they, they dive into that 
that pool a little bit. Oh yeah, I agree. Like I, like I said, they're they're not what you expect. At least if you find them from the right people, mm-hmm. you know you you would think this big head, those big teeth. But if you find one that's handleable and not gonna eat you, you're fine. You're not gonna be scared. Like I thought I would be scared of the female because the female is big. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my god, this mouth is gonna come at me and try to eat me. <laughs> and nope. She's better than my bayak, you know what I mean? I've heard that the so. the difference in attitude between the basins and the northerns is pretty night and day. Like basins are pretty mellow for the most <clears> part, <throat> and emeralds are always kind of known to be high strung. But then again, emeralds are, you know, almost all of them are wild caught. So yeah, what do you expect? I mean, I would I would definitely say like my basin. Like I could go in there and rub him, and he won't move out of his mm-hmm. little ball. Now my emerald, as soon as you open her glass or her tub or anything she'll look at you but she'll never strike or anything like that so she is a lot more like hey who's that you know what I mean? yeah much more um, alert. as opposed to the basin it's like eh, whatever's happening like, is happening yeah i'm asleep if you're gonna kill me kill me like uh... yeah pretty much <laughs> do whatever you're gonna <laughs> do what kind of defense is that? <laughs> that's how i noticed these baby chondros are like i'd i was taking them all out to weigh them this morning and it was like i'd be tapping them for like 10 seconds before they woke up and I'm really? like, I could totally, I could totally be like a, that. yeah, I could totally be a bird trying to eat you right now, and you'd like, you'd be such an easy meal. Yeah, they just mine sit are there. Not like that, mine up. will eat me. But, but you know, they don't, they don't do that to my wife. My wife is like, "What do you mean they bite you?" I'm like, "Yeah, they bite me. And I can't <laughs> go in there without them being like, hey, who are you? Let me taste you.'" And she's like, "They, they've never bit me." And I'm like, "Thanks." Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I will say all these babies, like I could handle them without getting bit. Like they, it takes a good bit of provoking to get them to even strike at food. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess for Bioc, at least at this size, they haven't gone into the, the food crazy, you know, youngster stage like my other younger ones have. Yeah. Like I said, mine, you rub them with the pinky, they go, they go up, they smell it and they're it's it's eaten mm-hmm. so i guess that's that's probably why while i'm in there they're like what are you oh you look like a pinky but you're yeah. not <laughs> let me taste it <laughs> well hopefully tomorrow night i get some success with that i don't have to keep feeding them for them and uh yeah, have you tried the the soft approach or are you doing still like the flicking of the head and all that i was i was being pretty aggressive with it yeah, I would say try the other way because you you also said you have a runner, right? Um, there's one or two, but they run after a few seconds of me messing with them. Like they'll take yeah, off, like a, they'll strike and then they'll run, but they're not like yeah. instant. Like oh, something touched me, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, but it's like once they notice like you're bothering them to eat, they're they're yeah. gone. I had yeah. one that was like that, and then the soft approach is like what he wanted mm-hmm. and that's what made me actually start being soft with everybody because once i noticed that all right this this little guy is like okay it's feeding time and then he got kind of scared mm-hmm. i was like all right we gotta try something else and the little you know rub a couple times like not that you know he would just took it but you know like i tapped his little tail mm-hmm. i tapped the side of his neck but yep. like softly opposed to really trying to get his attention and he just ate it Another thing I noticed that sometimes they really like them hot. Yeah, like, I try like to keep really, them pretty really warm, hot. but when I warm up in water, yeah. they cool off pretty quick. And so after you know a minute of tease feeding, they're back to being like room temperature. Yeah. Uh, so that, so what I do is I have a a room heater because I run ambient, 
Yep. So what I do is I, I'll turn on the heater and I'll hold the pinky up right up into the thing so their heads get real hot. Mm-hmm. And then I offer it and real quick they'll take it. Yeah, I used to, when I was dealing with, with small uh, children's pythons, usually that was the only way I could get them to take. Like the pinky would have to be piping hot for them to have any interest in it. Otherwise they, they wanted nothing to do with it. So, yeah, some I, are just picky like that. It's yeah, but we'll see. Come tomorrow, hopefully, I have some luck. I don't, I don't know. I think the runty one, I'll probably have to keep assisting myself just because it's too small to be able to get, you know, even a really small day old down. I think. I mean, yeah. like Ryan Dumas uh, posted a picture of one of his anthill pythons that he hatched out mm-hmm. recently, and that thing weighed six grams. So. I mean, we're dealing with a snake that's probably not far off in size from that, so. Yeah. yeah and that's that's one thing that's cool about the fact that um, I do it, like I breed mice myself, because I've noticed that the frozen thawed pinkies mm-hmm. kind of blow up. Like, they, they're so much bigger than when I first put them in the, like, when I first freeze them. Right. I'm sure it's because of all that water expanding in the cells and stuff. It causes them to, to bloat a little bit or something. Yeah. yeah. So when I like when I go live like that, like I could literally choose like the tiniest ones, because mm-hmm. you know sometimes you know some pinkies get more milk than the others. Yeah. So there'll be like runts of the litter, and with my smallest one, I choose literally like the tiniest pinky I could mm-hmm. find. Well, fortunately, I get my mice from my dad, who breeds his own for all his king snakes and stuff. Oh really? So I have pretty much unlimited oh, access cool. to to that stuff if I need it. So yeah, that works out. But. Yeah, that's cool. We're coming up on an hour and a half. We're at 125. Look at that. So. I didn't think we would make it this long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can be it can be a struggle sometimes. It's it's definitely harder with without Jake being here with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's getting easier. But, yeah, uh, I mean this is this is a pretty cool podcast. Thank you. You're I, welcome. I put a lot of effort into into both of them. And uh Yeah. Was I was worried that the schedule wouldn't really work out for being able to do two of them, but it's the I've kind of like reserved this one to kind of just doing it when I feel like it, instead of trying to be like, I gotta find someone this week, you know, I gotta find someone yeah. for next week. Now it's just kind of like, I haven't done an episode in a week or two. I probably need to get around to looking for someone to do it. So it's kind of nice, just sort of yeah. playing it by ear. But where can uh, where can people find you? Lottery Reptiles on Facebook and on Instagram. Alrighty. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Alright. Uh, sounds good. Have a great night. Take it easy. Alright. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you. Alright. That is episode 10, everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed it. This was a good episode. I enjoyed talking to Sabrina. Uh, please follow her, Lottery Reptiles. Follow me at Palmetto Coast Exotics. Follow the podcast at The Chondrocast, Facebook, Instagram. Um, quick shout out to my sort of unofficial sponsor, um, good friend of mine, David Brahms, who's been on the show. Uh, please, if you have anything arboreal, semi-arboreal, um, check out his products, Specialty Enclosure Designs. Um, he makes some really great stuff. I'm sure you've seen it. If you're in any of these arboreal groups, you've seen his products being used. Um, you know, I have people, uh, Jake uses them for his carpets. I use them for Amazons. I use them for the Chondros. Uh, I even use them in uh, some of his purchase for the Brettles. Um, 
doesn't have to just be Condros, but please, Specialty Enclosure Designs, check it out. Uh, follow him on Facebook. Follow him on Instagram. Check out his website. He's got the perches. He's got the perch holders. He's got uh, <coughs> tub conversion kits. He's got all kinds of cool stuff. So, David, I've sort of assigned you as my unofficial sponsor because you've been such a great guy. Your products are so awesome, and I love them. So I will shout it from the rooftops, let everybody know. Check them out. Condrocast, subscribe. Face, uh, not Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, obviously, like I just said. Uh, subscribe, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I believe it's on Podbean. I don't know. I have to check into that. But anyways, have a good night. Thank you again, Sabrina Vega, Lottery Reptiles. See you all later.